Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Here in the studio with me today, I have Chef Jeff Mattia from Pyre Restaurant. How you doing, Chef? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad to have you. I've been watching the restaurant kind of come together online. It's so it's so fun how uh, with Facebook and Instagram, you can see more than just the food with a restaurant. And so it's I felt like uh, I had to get you in here because I was getting excited that there was another new dining opportunity. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No, we were really um, we're really happy with the way it's coming out. Um, kind of tie, tying the wood fired and uh, barbecue theme that we wanted to go with the restaurant and obviously the family style environment it is. Kind of pulling those elements into the actual warm woods and firewood all over the restaurant whether it's in the wall and cross sections or we have it in these two big towers that are being built right now that are installed in a couple of days. Um, all of these elements of the restaurant are all going to add to what the dining experience is. So are you going home every day smelling like uh, smoke and can't wash it out your clothes? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, I, there's been a couple of days. There actually has been. Well, so I know we can, we could probably talk and do a whole show just on barbecue and smoking and wood and I know that we have a lot of listeners out there who are kind of like at home barbecuers whenever you were planning the menu for pyre did you say I have to use a certain kind of wood on my smoker do you have like any rules for that well the thing with pyre is so going back to what this is where it came from to actually answer your question um I've always been in, intrigued by my industry and I've always been intrigued what my industry was capable of and when I started work started on the hogs for a cause team back in 2015 I didn't know what barbecue really was or how in-depth it was and how much it was as far as what you could do but as a chef I again it's something that intrigued and brought me to my industry so the more I got into it the more I realized that I'm a chef with 25 years experience in this industry and I can go to a local competition at your bromart and be beat by your, a local guy in his backyard. And it's because he understands the brines and understands the injections and understands what rubs are and has his rub down to his science. And all of these elements of our industry, which are there, but are done more as a home cook than they're done by us as, as professionals. So I think that alone drove me to put, put, put Pyre together and form Pyre Provisions, which is gonna open in Covington. And it is, it's barbecue, but I don't want barbecue to be just what we do in the United States. We have an Argentinian style barbecue on the menu. We're bringing in um, zatar into a lamb rib dish. Our signature dish, which is our smoked duck hummus, has a very, um, it's it's very warm spices, turmeric, and almost like a curry to, to the barbecue rub that we developed for that dish. And it's gonna bring different elements of barbecue and what the word barbecue means. And that's kind of where this restaurant's coming from and playing with and allows me to be a chef and be fun with the terminology of the word barbecue. You know, I joke all the time when I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, well, why'd you get into this business? And I'm like, sharp knives and fire. (laughs) It gets you pretty excited. But you realize that this is when you're cooking over fire, that is cooking at its core, at its roots. And this isn't just like a, you know, a Louisiana thing, an Alabama thing, a Tennessee, Texas. Like, 
there are places all over the world who specialize in cooking over fire. No, you're absolutely right. And that's where I think, so with the two elements we brought into the restaurant, and you'll see it across the menu, we have the wood fire provisions. So we actually brought in a gas grill that has log burners. So logs actually sit underneath the gas burners and they'll catch on fire and you slow down the gas and let the logs burn and let the logs do what it does, which influences the fire, wood fire cooking to the actual grill. So we're gonna have the grilled items coming off the wood fired style of grill. And then we put in a large smoker in the back of the kitchen so we can do a traditional barbecue style smoking. We're using different wood chips. We have apple, we have fruit woods, we have um, hickory, and we're using a little bit of post oak, but mostly we're using a lot of fruit woods because I think the fruit woods are going to work better with the zatars and the curry spices and the different styles of different things that we're doing in the barbecue. I think it's so interesting how when you change the wood, you change the flavor. I just recently went to Alaska and everything was over alder wood. And I am now a huge fan of alder wood because I feel like it gives me some of that mesquite flavor without that deep bitterness or that like where you feel the smoke in your chest when you're eating it yeah. <laughs> when you over smoke things and you know fruit wood seems like some a lot of times we don't think about it we're like oak pecan but when we're trimming our, our trees in the backyard we should be curing yeah. that wood for the smoker no, the apple and cherry are two of the best woods to cook on very probably very similar to the alder wood now whenever y'all were planning Pyre Restaurant. And for our listeners, tell them where y'all are going to be located so they can get a good idea for that. So we're located on Highway 21 in Covington, um, we, uh, which is the exit where they're they're doing a lot of expanding. Um, there's two major hospitals, Oshner and St. Anthony Parish Hospital, are both right there on either side of us. So it's we're right there on the very main th- throughway on Highway 21. Um, we're in front of the Winn-Dixie Plaza. And you'll see we have signs all around the building, um, front, side, back. So you, you'll definitely see it on coming through. We're right at one of the corners. Um, we actually share a building with Cafe Dumont. So uh, us and Cafe Dumont sit side by side. Well, and, you know, I think it's exciting what is happening in Covington. And, you know, watching what you all have done with just the building of the restaurant. Was there, you know, with dining, it's about the experience. It's about the food. It's about the whole environment that your your guests are enjoying. So when you were planning the restaurant, planning the menu and the interior, what was your the thought process of the team? Well, I think the biggest thought was when we talked to the interior designer and my partner and I started discussing what Pyre is going to look like, um, it was just all about, so it's wood-fired. How do we bring that forward? How do we show that more? So we actually brought four different elements of wood throughout the dining room. Um, we have cross, cross sections of logs on one wall. We did the first cutting of planks from Douglas fir, which were milled in St. Rowe, Louisiana, and we brought those in. Those are an entire another wall. There's cork dividers between all of the banquette seating. And then we added the, um, we're adding actual firewood in this metal structure that's going to be in the middle of the dining room. Two 12-foot towers full of firewood. I had to bring over two cords of firewood in just to fill the towers up. So we have these elements of wood going throughout the whole thing. And then we also added metals because what holds together your barbecue pits and your smokers is this metal and steel. So exposed welds and these metals and these things, which we're hoping will lend to the element and lend to the environment. But we did it in a very well put together fashion, very rich colors, very high end um, 
uh, marine, marine vinyl seating and banquette seating. Redid all of the colors, and, and we went with really poppy, trendy style colors. And, you know, I love when I go to a restaurant and it, it feels cozy. Like, I want it. Sometimes I'm like, I want my house to look this clean, neat, and streamlined. But then when you start adding elements like wood and cork, and it starts to kind of cozy up that fancy streamlined style that I feel like I, I sit down and I go, <sighs> okay, now I'm ready to have a good dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And, I th- and we're hoping that's what it is. And we had a local artist um, paint a two pictures for us on the wall in an illustration style. And she did a pair of ducks with a pig. And the uh, other side of the wall, she did a cow. So they, she painted them right on the walls, like an old barn style, um, and we framed them out, and uh, they're they're a perfect pace. So when you're sitting in one of the booths, you can look up, and there's a duck looking right over your shoulder. I love that. I love that. Now, I know that uh, getting getting you here today was was tough for my listeners out there. You know, they're they're opening, and uh, this we're actually uh, taping this on Veterans Day, which yes. we'll talk a little bit about. But by the time you get to hear this episode, they will be in full swing. So I was super happy that Chef Jeff could even make it down here. But I imagine in these final weeks, there's so many details, but there's so much food. So talk to me about, like, what was it like to even just test the recipes on the menu? Well, I mean, it it was an undertaking. I can definitely say that. I've done a couple... um, I did it in spurts. I did. I started doing little pop-ups here and there and show, like catering different things. Um, my wife actually owns a bookstore called The Book and the Bean. It's on Gerard Street in Old Mandeville. And we actually ha- built the fire pits in the back of the bookstore so we could do a big... One day we did j- smoked pork jambalaya and we smoked all the pork out there and we made jambalaya. And, we, and then they happened to be riding their bikes and doing a little booze and cruising ride and at all the locals stopped by and we fed them. Um, one day we went out and did a barbecue competition in Abita Springs, and we were part of that. And we showed I, I did I practiced a duck dish while we were at that competition. And we ended up getting first place. Congratulations for, for the uh, exotic category. Thank you very much. Um, so we've been doing those kind of things more than anything else. Um, and then we did bring a bunch of samples in, and we just started cooking it, and we just we trying to you process it, family meal, feeding each other, just doing what we can do, knowing what we need to cook to be able to try it. I mean, it's it's an undertaking. Was there a moment whenever you were you were presenting a dish to your partners and your team and you were like, "Oh my god, I know this is this is make it on the menu. This is killer." That would be the duck hummus. So tell us about it. So the duck hummus came in the, I was, wanted to do a smoked duck leg, or I wanted to do smoked duck of some kind on the menu, and I didn't know how to present it, and I didn't know the right way to push it off. We knew we were going in this family-style shared environment. We knew we were going to do this for two, for three-style food. So, and I knew for the duck hummus, I knew if I went traditional barbecue, it may not be as approachable. People may not be as, as think of the whimsical side of it. So I got a hold of this barbecue spice um, from a friend of mine who owns Pork Mafia, and it's called Barbecue Nazareth. And when I first saw the bag, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then when I smelled it, it was like cinnamon and turmeric and all of these Middle Eastern flavors just right in your face. And as soon as I smelled it, as soon as I roasted some duck for my wife at home, 
I, uh, I as soon as I ate it, I'm like, this needs hummus, and this needs hummus that's made out of black eyed peas, not regular hummus. Yes. That ties the southern into what we're doing, and it needs to have this with a whole roasted duck quarter with fresh wood grill non bread right off our wood grills. And I immediately approached that dish, and the dish was kind of like spoke of this is your restaurant, this is what you want to do. And you know, I, how did it feel whenever? You you presented that to everyone, and you're like, I love this dish. I think this dish represents me and what I want this restaurant. Whenever they tasted it and you saw their faces, how did that feel? It felt great. I mean, it was like it was felt like it was the, finally the pieces came together in the puzzle. And, you know, I, it's so exciting to see the process come together, and then to know that all your hard work and your effort is is appreciated and rewarded at the at the end of the journey, which is really just the beginning of the journey because it's just the yeah. end of the opening journey, right? Right. It's the end, it's the end of figuring out the pieces. <laughs> well, so I, I'm going to change um, directions a little bit because um, with it being Veterans Day, you know, I thank you for your service. And I know that there are so many chefs here um, in Louisiana who got their start in military. And one of the things that I have noticed in working with these chefs and talking to these chefs, um, one, they're passionate about what they do. And I think all chefs are passionate about what they do. But there's this level of attention to detail and focus and organization that is unparalleled. And I, I think our listeners would be interested to hear what it's like to, to cook for the troops, but also to then transition to to cooking in a fabulous restaurant like Pyre? Well, I'm actually, I was actually young when I knew I wanted to cook. Um, so I started out when I was 15 years old washing dishes and then ended up at a pizza restaurant. I started, was delivery boy and then I began to cook. I knew by how much I partied and how much I like to be social that I was not going to make it through college. Uh, my mom and dad <laughs> weren't even going to help me pay for it at that moment. So I came they knew home. better. I, they knew better, yeah. <laughs> so I came home one day and I said, Dad, I'm joining the Marine Corps. And I had the papers. He's like, he looked at me. He's like, good luck. And just kind of sent me on my way. And that was the end of it. Um, but even when I joined the Marine Corps, I went in the recruiting office and I said, I want to be, be a cook. I don't want to be anything else. If you can't promise me I'm a cook, I'm not going in. And it was always that. So I get in the Marine Corps and now I decide I'll raise my hand to be one of those guys that wants to deploy all the time. And I'm like, I volunteer to go on a deployment. So I go off with the... 24th Mew, um, and we go off into the Mediterranean, and we're out there for six months. And I was able to cook and set up tents to create kitchens in the middle of nowhere and do pop-up dinners, essentially, for 10,000 troops, feed them 10, all. 10,000 troops. And I think, I mean, it kind of gives me chills to to hear the volume and the number of people that you you fed. Yeah, it, and it, it, it just to have that with you, or it's just crazy to be able to put that kind of numbers together and the food together and organization that you need to have in the trucks and everything else. And later in my career, I ended up becoming, um, I was a corporal when I got out E4, and I was an NCO in the Marine Corps. Um, I was in charge of field mess, which means I was in charge of inventorying, controlling, and holding on to all that gear and training everyone below me how to do these operations. And it was it, whether we were in the desert, whether we were in a cold cold weather environment, whether we were in a tropical environment, it was the same thing. We got down there, we set up these tents, and you saw the troops coming with smiles on their faces because they had hot food. And it was I think that was the passion that drove me through the Marine Corps. 
And then when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I joined, I went to Johnson and Wales and I got my bachelor's degree from Johnson and Wales in Providence. And at that moment, I, I mean, I, I was well in fully inducted. It was not, never taking the white coat off in my life. And that's where my life was going to become. Now, did you have to change the way that you approach food from whenever you went from the military to Johnson and Wales? You do. But again, the military is very proud about what they're doing. Um, Marine Corps and the Army both compete in the culinary Olympics and go into the culinary world and do all the different culinary stuff. Um, they have teams um, that do all this different things. So they do show you the correct way. When you're cooking for 10,000 and when you're cooking for 10 people, the, obviously the nominations of what you're capable of doing. And one of my old chefs told me one time, he's like, if you can cook for a thousand people, then cooking for a hundred is nothing. Yes. Because if you can make good food taste good at a thousand and cooking for a hundred, it's going to be, it's going to be very simple to you. And I think as I transitioned through my culinary career, I mean, going from a casino like Mohegan Sun and then working for Tom Colicchio at Kraft, then going down here to work for John Besh at August in the American sector, and then going to the big Hyatt High Regency New Orleans, then going to the um, Royal Sinesta Hotel, the volume you can see in my career path, it just kind of like chased, it, chased its way through. I mean, you go from Hyatt Regency New Orleans, I mean, we, we, we've done 2,000, 2,500 person banquets. Royal Sinesta, we can only do 450, 450, I think is the biggest one we ever did. Well, it's got to be exciting to then now go to Pyre where you can actually go out in the dining room and meet the people who are enjoying your food. No, that's the part I actually really look forward to. I really, I'm looking forward to seeing the guest face and that, talking to them about the food and, and the inspiration behind it and where it came from. Well, so let's get back to a little bit more about the inspiration and some of the dishes on the menu. Because as I look at the menu, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to um, head to the North Shore <laughs> and I need to have all the things. Um, because anytime I get... Uh, a menu that has something with a pimento cheese on it, I'm in. <laughs> My husband, no matter where we are in the world, if it's like a great restaurant with good quality beef, he's like, I need to have the burger, baby. <laughs> so you start to realize there are so many things that we're going to have to go back often. But when we look at the dinner menu, it's super fancy, but it's not super fancy in that it's approachable, and you have the opportunity at lunchtime to have plate lunches. Yes. So what we did is we, with the menus, we designed them to be shareable. And that's what we want to, that's the biggest thing we want to push is we want them to come in and have two or three shared plate op options and then sit down with their kids and have just the half roast of chicken or just a brisket plate or a ribeye and get two sides off the, off the sides. And it, it becomes this almost... Like family style. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm an Italian, born and raised Italian, and actually I have a lot of Greek in me as well. And my grandmothers both cooked this way, where everything was in the middle of the table and give me that, pass me that. Here's this, here's that, and I think that's kind of where this came from. And then working for Tom Clicchio at Kraft, Kraft style was very much his style. And then coming down working for Chef Besh, I mean, all you saw was the Southern hospitality and give them everything and make sure they're happy and make sure they're smiling. I think all of that translates to where Pyre came from and why I have the menu built the way it's built. And, you know, I love that um, past the this and the family style because I feel like it makes us have to stop and communicate mm -hmm. because we're talking and we're like, oh, I want the I want the the leg. Oh, I want this. Oh, no. Pick out the onions for little so and so. But you're having a conversation and you're talking and 
in that moment, you are focused on the food and the people with whom you're you're enjoying it. Yeah, and it actually, it, we're going to start it from the beginning. We're only going to, if you're a four top coming into our restaurant, we're only going to give you two menus because we want you to pass the menu, pass the drink menu. Hey, you can see the drink menu. And it's going to start that immediately, immediate sharing environment with you. And those are the things that I think it belong, where you build a restaurant, you build it from, from the big bottom up. You build it from the decor, you build it through the staff, you build it through the rest menus, you build it through the food you're buying. And you make sure you're doing it all the right way. And, you're, and I think if you translate it all the way it's supposed to be translated, I think the restaurants feed themselves and take off on their own. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the food, but the drinks are, are pretty good. And I, I, I think it's exciting now um, that people are so focused on, um, you know, craft cocktails, but also having op- like options for people who are like, I want a beer. I want a daiquiri. I want a glass of wine. Oh, I would like a elevated whiskey sour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then, and that's where our beverage program plays into. I mean, we have a very high end cocktail menu. Um, our beverage director, she really took it, owned it. So she, had, we have a smoked Manhattan on the menu. Um, we're doing a, a molasses black, backstrap molasses old fashioned. So utilizing some of these southern ingredients to push it forward. Um, our daiquiris, we're going very premium daiquiris. We're not doing anything that's what you're used to, daiquiri and creams. So we're doing Tito's Back Porch Lemonade. We're doing a uh, Jim Beam Whiskey Smash. So they're actually naming the liquors that are in it. So you're not drinking liquors that, that are, are not your should, choice. You should be on Bourbon Street <laughs> when you're drinking. Um, and then we're go- going all the way down to the beer and the wine selection. Um, we have eight craft beers on the towers. And then we, we just put in a wine dispenser. We'll be the first North Shore restaurant to have wine on tap, uh, four whites and four reds available on tap, and it gives a great price point. It'll give us a great happy hour environment, and we're looking forward to sharing all of this with everyone in the North, North and South Shore, and hopefully everyone comes and visits. So if we're getting the, um, the smoked duck hummus, what should we be drinking with it? There's a wine, there's a Pinot Noir on the menu that's called Frico. Um, I personally like it because it's got a pig on the, on the label. Um, it kind of fits... Um, our restaurant, but that is that that will be on tap, and it's a delicious Pinot Noir. I think we'll go great with that those spices. So if we sit down and we we have dinner at Pyre this week, um, what what should our group not miss? I mean, so as a chef, you want to you want to have fun and you want to be overly creative. Um, the lamb ribs and the duck hummus, as a chef, those are the first two I would go after personally. Um, I really love what's coming together with the BLT salad. And the Cantonese glazed pork ribs, um, I think, are going to be a hit. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. We're making our own roasted pine. We're roasting pineapples in the smoker and letting them just caramelize in the smokers before we puree them and make barbecue sauce with them. So I think that's going to be a really fun left-field barbecue dish. Um, But, I mean, the briskets I've tasted coming out of our smokers so far, I mean— they're right there where they should be, and I'm I'm very we're very proud of our product. And how long are things sitting in the smoker? Briskets are almost 16 hours. Um, the pork butts are going about 11 to 11, anywhere between 11 and 14, depending on the size of them. So there's some of that some of that stuff. And then I mean, if you go to look at the pyre, the sides on the pyre sides, we're making our own pastas in house for our mac and cheese. Um, we're doing a throwback with the Hasselback potato because I personally think it's a great cross between a baked potato and French fries. I think it's like the, <laughs> the perfect in between, and um, and if you the, the stuffed roasty, I mean it's it's a hash brown that we're gonna stuff with caramelized onions and smoke brisket. 
Oh my gosh. So when you slice it in the middle of it, that's what you're going to have down the center of the thing. And then you got to have the vegetables. I mean, vegetables to me, I mean, if they're done well and they're super playful, I think people love them. I think the whole flying caramelized Brussels sprout thing. I mean, people wouldn't eat Brussels sprouts and all of a sudden some chef dropped them in a deep fryer. Now that's the only way we can have them. Um, I think those are the things that the more fun we can play with it as chefs, the more people will start eating their vegetables again. And uh, Sunday brunch now, and you're going to have the the plate lunches. Yep. Um, so Sunday brunch starts this Sunday. Um, we're looking forward to that. We're going to um, we're unveiling that to the locals, doing some really cool um, smoked pork tostadas. We're going to have a we're going to do the roasted the roasty with a debris gravy with poached eggs. Ooh. So we got some definitely some stick to your ribs soul food. I'm, I'm sold on that. I, my tombstone will say "Died of bread and gravy" <laughs> because anything with gravy, I'm like, I need to order that. Yep. And gravy is any liquid on a plate I can dip my bread into. Absolutely, and I, and that's, that's exactly what we're doing with that. Well, so we only have a couple minutes left. So tell everybody where they can find y'all and um, how they can find you on Instagram and Facebook. So we are again located in Highway 21 in Covington. Right in, right with Cafe Dumont, right in front of the Winn Dixie Plaza. Um, we're Pyre Provisions. We are Pyre Provi- at Pyre Provisions on Facebook. Pyre underscore restaurant on Instagram. PyreRestaurant.com um, online. And we look forward to seeing all of you. We're on Open Table. We're every, anywhere that you can find us on social media or on online itself. We're, we exist. So. We're really pushing it. We're looking forward to seeing it. And as long as you smell the smoke, we're still going. <laughs> well, I love it. Um, thank you, Chef Jeff. You know, I'm I'm ready to um, go test your gumbo and to try that duck. And um, I must say that the uh, you may have sold me on those pork ribs because I can already, like, feel the number of napkins I'm going to want because I'm going to get after those. We'll bring extras. (laughs) Y'all have been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. Today on the show, I had Chef Jeff Maria from Pyre Provisions in Covington, Louisiana. They are now officially open, so get out there. Go get some food. Make that trip to the North Shore and Covington. Support your home team. You've been listening to WRBH Radio, 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.